I, I could only really think of one story kind of relating to this topic. And um, the reason I thought of it, I think, is because it came up uh, this week. I was talking to Brian Lennertz about the process for joining Baptist Mid-Missions and uh, becoming a, a missionary with Baptist Mid-Missions. And so Deborah and I have gone through that process, and he brought up his doctrinal exam. Now, you do two things. So you write out a doctrinal statement, then you answer questions, I think, on the doctrinal statement. And then, and thankfully, I already had one of those from something I was doing before. I don't remember. And then Deborah, I think, used some stuff from college that she had written because her, her college... Don't you guys get a Bible minor? Yeah. So at Bible college, she got a Bible minor, so she had a doctrinal statement. That wasn't the hardest of the doctrinal exams. The, the most difficult was when you, you stand before a group of other missionaries and, and pastors and people from the uh, general council from Baptist Mid-Missions, and they ask you a series of questions. And they give you a little bit of an outline of things they're going to ask you, but then people from the audience follow up and they ask you other questions. And uh, I remember sitting in, they had like a little room where all the missionaries would wait before they would go to the doctrinal exam. And one of the other missionaries was describing to me, uh, you know, some of the preparation that he had done. And um, he had gone to seminary, he had a couple of master's degrees, uh, Master of Divinity and I think a Master of Ministry. And he was saying that he was having, you know, he was still working through some stuff right when he was there. And I said, um, the way I thought of it, and I don't know if I was wrong and he was right or if I was right and he was wrong, but, but I did say this. I said, the way I think of it is that I should already know this stuff. And so he asked me a few questions and I gave him a few answers. And um, he said, well, if that's your attitude, that you should already know it, then you're going to do just fine. The reason I said that is because we have an assignment. We have uh, a, uh, a job to do. We have uh, some work to carry out. And it doesn't matter if you're going to the mission field and you're, you're being commissioned by your church or whether you're not. We're required to know some things. It would be good if the people back at your home church knew just as much as you did about the, the doctrines of the faith and were just as committed to learning what's in the scripture as you were because they have a job to do back home and you have a job to do wherever they've sent you to be. And so that's the way I really thought of it. And as we're asking this question, how can I use my study to reach others? We should know the things that make it possible for us to minister to others. Um, I received some advice in a completely different context a number of years ago about study and teaching. I talked to the HBBC students this week already about this um, at chapel. But taking this advice has always been, I guess, one of the best piece of advice pieces of advice I've ever gotten for teaching and for uh, helping others 
to study the Bible, and that is that I should consider every study time my own, even if I'm preparing to teach others. Don't study for someone else, because there's a few things at play. I have a relationship with God. I'm meant to be growing. I need the enlightenment and the instruction from Scripture that I'm looking at, and whatever I learn, whatever I can fill my life up with, needs to then flow out to whoever I'm teaching. So if it's in a time like this where there's a group of students or in a time like in chapel earlier in the week or whatever the case is, I shouldn't be teaching something I haven't already been impacted by. So prep for teaching is personal study time. That was really the way they described it to me. It's personal study time. And if you learn nothing, they said, if you learn nothing, then you have nothing to teach. But I have always learned something, and I have always had something to teach. So it's never really let me down, that idea. And I sort of thought it would to start with. I thought, well, if I don't, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not thinking about who I'm going to be talking to and really examining who's going to be in the room and all that sort of thing, that it would lead me astray, but it really hasn't done. So today we're going to be asking the question, how can my study, my personal study, be used to to help in reaching others? So the passage we're going to be addressing in 1 Timothy chapter 4, in it Paul is speaking to Timothy about his life and about his pastoral ministry. And he says right at the beginning of this passage we're reading, that if Timothy helps others to remember things from Scripture, that he will be nourished. Now, the people he's ministering to will be nourished as well, but he will be nourished. And that he will have a better understanding of the faith and of doctrine. Seems that that is the case for us as well, at least from my own experience. You see, the, the... Christian, the believer in Christ, is commanded to make disciples. Really, every believer is a teacher. Every believer is a teacher. It says, teach those who you're ministering to all the things that Christ commanded. And so, when Timothy is being instructed personally about his own particular ministry here, we can uh, take what he's being instructed and we can use it and, and gain some principles from it for the ministry that we can have as we go on. So this question, how can I use my study to reach others? I think this passage will go a long way in helping us answer that. So Paul speaks of false teaching in the preceding verses, in the verses leading up to uh, verse 6, where we're going to start tonight. And I am going to read those verses, but I'm going to read them after we begin uh, in verse 6. And he says that some will depart from the faith. He says they'll give heed to seducing spirits and what he calls doctrines of devils. That's just doctrines that are consistent with the things that the devil himself would be teaching if he had the opportunity to teach them. 
It's that he's deceived someone into thinking the way that he thinks and teaching the way that he would teach if he were there. And sometimes that means there's a lot of truth with a little error. In fact, that's often the case because you don't believe that little error unless there's a lot of truth mixed in with it. So Paul encourages Timothy to remember this, to remember that there's going to be some that depart from the faith, and to inform the brethren about it, that this is going to be the case, that there's going to be some that depart from the faith, but also inform them on what departing from the faith means, what these things that they're teaching, how they are wrong. And he says to always emphasize good doctrine. And that's where we are in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. So he says, look, if you're reminding others about these things, you will have nourishment. You'll be built up in the faith and in good doctrine. Whereunto thou hast attained, or that, that's the goal you're heading towards, and this will be something to help you accomplish your goal. Yes, there's going to be some that are teaching falsely, that are believing and then teaching things that are contrary to the word of God. This is the case no matter what society you're in, no matter what context you're in. This is always the case. Uh, So he says, remind yourself and remind others of this sound teaching. Timothy was tasked with these timely reminders. He says, do this often. Do this consistently. He was to feed the brethren wholesome words of truth. By the way, this is the antidote to the false teaching. Truth, just a lot of it and consistently. So the fact is, if he were to do that, he himself and the others that he was reminding would be nourished up, it says. Their minds would be filled with the definition of what it says here is excellent and useful teaching. Teaching which came directly from God. Remember how it said, uh, we'll read in a minute, said that uh, they are believing doctrines of devils. This is the opposite of that. These are things that come directly from God. But here's the thing. No man finds or reminds people of this kind of teaching without personal study themselves, right? So he says, remind them of these things. But that means he's going to have to remind himself of these things. He's going to have to have a a proper manner of study. He has to have an honest heart about what he studies. And he'll have to have a godly and a focused mind. Because if anyone, if Timothy was, or if we are to, spot false teaching, then we're going to have to be so well acquainted with the text that we know when something contradicts it. There's a whole um, series of examples of this where people can spot a fake. The reason they can spot a fake is because they know the reality so well. This is the case with the scriptures as well. Be so well acquainted with the text that you know when something contradicts it. It seems that Timothy did study in this way. 
This is the kind of doctrine to which he was to continue. Verse 7 and 8. But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So that which is profane, that which is ungodly, should be refused. And whether it's old or new, anything that is contradicting the scriptures or distracting from the truth should be thrown out. But godly character should instead be pursued, and that godly character should always be shaped by what we know from the scriptures, what we understand from the scriptures. Let's look at that context of the first five verses. You can kind of see what's happening sort of on the opposite side, and that may help us to understand what we need to know instead on the truth side. Verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them, of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So if we're tasked with recognizing which we are because there's some who are departing from the faith, if we're to be tasked with recognizing that which is false, then we have to be well acquainted with the text. It says that some are going to depart and they're going to be seduced. Instead of speaking the truth, they're going to believe something else and they're going to begin to speak lies. And they're going to make some demands. They certainly were making demands here, but we can see others in our um, context here on our island doing the same thing. They're going to demand that others hold to some rules and to some guidelines and to some doctrines that are not scriptural. It says you must not go their way, but not only must you not go their way, you must remind others that they are going that way. And remind them of what the truth is. And so for those of us who are responsible to teach, we must exercise ourselves, as it said, as Paul said to Timothy, exercise ourselves unto godliness. Because exercising ourselves unto other things, unto worldly things, always has minimal profit. It may not have no profit, but it has minimal profit. In fact, for instance here, It says a person can build up their physical body. But it's just a temporary improvement. It's just temporary. Because the results tend to fade more quickly than the results appeared. This is always the case, right? You know, I spent spent six weeks working out so hard and I saw some results. And then I only took three weeks off and then all the results went away. 
So the results are temporary. Things that you study that are, that are worldly are temporary. But righteous character, those character traits that can be built by exercising yourself unto godliness using the word of God, those profit here on earth and in eternity. This is the great thing about that. Whatever is done for Christ, whatever focuses on the truth that Christ has given us, lasts. And so we study for our own growth and our own strengthening in the faith. And then we study so that we can help encourage others to grow and to strengthen in the faith. And so they don't go down this road that verses 1 through 5 was talking about. The next verse in 1 Timothy 4, verse 9. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Meaning he's saying that this is just a self-evident truth. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. It's for truth that believers today and throughout history have suffered persecution in the world. But, you know, the falsehoods and the fairy tales of false teachers are worthy of no suffering, at least no suffering in this world. They'll be suffering in eternity for these things. But it's those who believe the truth and teach the truth and trust in Jesus Christ who suffer these things. For those who teach falsely these vain and worthless things, they are teaching according to this world. So they have a different outcome. So it says we should trust in the living God and in Jesus Christ, his son. We want to know what he said, and we want to know what he meant by what he said. These things command and teach. You need to know both of these things. This is the only teaching of value for mankind. Now, it's not saying that uh, doing this means an easy life. It talked about the persecution that can come from this sort of thing. But he says, this is, these are the things that are of value. So this is what you should be learning, should be growing in yourself, and what you should also be teaching. Certainly when you're a minister like Paul and Timothy, but every disciple of Christ as well, because we all have the same commission, and the same command. That which is outside the word of God, it may bring some temporary help. There's plenty of things that I think you can learn that are going to bring some help for you. But all that's going to be temporary, that you can teach others that will bring temporary help. But it's only the good doctrine of faith that comes with study of the word of God that profits anyone, either yourself or anybody you're teaching, long term. So when we are learning and when we are understanding and when we are growing, when we're coming to know what Jesus said and what he meant by what he said, then we have to go a step further, and we will, and that is to be an example. This is what it says in 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no man despise thy youth. Again, this is Paul talking directly to Timothy. We can apply some of this. 
but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, that's in your manner of life, in charity, that's the way you love others, love the brethren, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Doesn't matter what age you are, whether you're one of the younger ministers of Christ, as Timothy clearly was, or whether you've grown in the word for a long period of time, you're to be an example. Timothy was to be an example. And you know, we've said it and we've, we've talked about it a, a good bit through this series. Depth of knowledge in the word of God is the beginning of your character change. So many times this is the case. Now I'll say this, depth of knowledge isn't the, in the word of God isn't a magical formula to, formula to get to character change, but it's the start of gaining good character because understanding and knowing what Jesus says and what he means by what he says is, is a start for you to, if you'll submit yourself, if you'll uh, devote yourself to walking with Christ daily, if you'll say, I'll obey, I'll take what you said and I will do just what I know so far, then it's the beginning of good character change. But it's going to take this obedience and this daily walk with Christ to complete a character change. So no matter his age, no matter Timothy's age, this godliness was to show forth. You know, this is always an interesting one. I think about this quite a bit. I have five kids at home, and they range in a pretty good range in age, 16 down to nine. And so you think, no matter how old you are or how young you are, whatever godliness you have can be shown forth. Timothy, of course, is a pastor, but he's telling him, don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. Be an example. You can be an example to every believer. And you can do so in a number of different ways. And what he said and what he did daily and the way in which he loved his spirit or the, the way in which he approached life, his faith, what he believed and what he could show of what he believed about God and his purity. Paul wanted Timothy to maintain this example. And then he actually told him how. Verse 13. He said, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Okay, now he's got some jobs to do. He's, already, he's been assigned some things. Paul says, look, there's gonna, in these times, there's going to be people who are teaching falsely. They're going to believe the wrong things. They're going to depart from them. You need to make sure that everybody you have charge over, everybody that you're responsible for, everybody that you have contact with, remind them of the truth and remind them constantly. Remind yourself. Be nourished up in the things of the truth. Be nourished up in all of it. And be an example yourself. So whatever is in the truth, whatever Jesus has taught, and whatever you understand that he meant by what he taught, be obedient to that. Live by that. Develop your character. 
day by day so that you can be an example and be an example in all the ways that we can think of, whether it's what you say or what you do or how you approach things or the faith you have when you make a decision, all of these things, do all that. He says, now, until I come, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. I think we all uh, understand the idea of reading. Pretty much everybody says, well, we should read the Bible every day. We should know what the Bible says. We probably believe in exhortation. We're to come alongside others. We're to, to help them with what they're learning, with their understanding in the Bible. Um, and we should and they should help us. We should mutually help one another in our exhortation. We should push them into the right direction for Christ. This is to doctrine. And this is something where we might get a little bored. right? This is sound teaching. This is like looking at it in a much bigger way than maybe just have taken one verse and teaching it to people. This is, this is taking into account the whole. Taking into account everything we know about what sound teaching is. There's lots of ways this is described in the New Testament. When it talks about um, uh, earnestly defending the faith, you know, the faith that's once delivered to the saints. We're talking about the, the whole of the teaching. And I understand Paul's position in his pastoring role. You know, we ought to give attendance to doctrine as well. It ought to be something we give attendance to. And that means uh, we ought to pay attention to it and not think that it's somebody else's responsibility to know it, but to understand that it's our responsibility. So Paul was going to come in person, but until he did, Timothy was to read, he was to come alongside others. He was to learn sound teaching. He was to embrace the truth and he was to act upon it consistently. He was going to have to, if he was going to fulfill the, the commands and the, the instructions of Paul. This was to be his concentration in regards to ministry. I wonder if you have a concentration. You know that a lot of things can turn your head in life and get you off your mission? What he said to Timothy is he said, uh, Timothy, give attendance to these things. Make this your concentration to carry this out. Do the reading. Make sure you're coming alongside others. And give attention to doctrine. Stay on your mission. I know that Pastor Walton says to us often how we need to, to stay on mission in our church. But, you know, we personally need to stay on our mission, too. 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 16, the next three verses. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. This is a really interesting 
passage. Timothy was gifted like us. Now, I should say this about my mission statement. There's some things in my mission statement that are particular to my gifting, right? There probably will be to yours too. Yours will be adjusted because you'll have some understanding of what God wants you to do in life. So in order to not get distracted from that mission, you'll have those things and, and, and they'll, they'll have some at least tailoring to you specifically as a person. You know, mine says something about my children and my family. If you don't have children, you don't have family, your mission statement will be different. But what he says to Timothy is he says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given to thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. You've got a job. You've been gifted for that job. The, the, those who were in authority, who uh, looked upon you, you'll know that that's what a, an ordination is. Uh, those who are equipped to carry out the gospel ministry will uh, make a declaration about this other person. They'll say, he's gifted to do this. He's gifted to carry out this work. We did it last week with, uh, with Pastor Brian. He's already been ordained, but now we're saying, look, we're sending him out to a place to do a particular work. There was um, men in Acts chapter 13 who were the very same way. They were ministering in their church at Antioch, and God said, separate me these to send them out and do some specific work. He says, look, you've been given some specific work to do. It's been recognized that you have these gifts. Now go out and do that. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Exactly that ministry that God had called him to, personally, he was to do. He was to carry it out. But he was just like us. He would need equipping. And he would need equipping not just from that which came before, but that which needs to come today as well. You understand what I mean by that? I used to spend a lot of time around people who um, graduated from Bible college and graduated from seminary. And what you'll know about those people is that they need a continued equipping even after they graduate from seminary. I mean, they still need day by day by day walk with Christ. They still need to be learning. They still need to be examining. And that's what he was to do. He was to carry this out and he was to be equipped along the way. So exactly the ministry that God has given you to do, you need to be equipped for and you need to give yourself wholly to it. And you know, it's not just for the purpose of telling others, even though that's really the question we had tonight, right? Study and ministry. How can I use study use my study to reach others. That was the question we had. It is for the purpose of telling others, but it's for you. His study, his continuing in doctrine, his taking heed as unto himself, his doing this, these things that, that Paul had set out for him and that God had set out for him, but was for him and it was also for others. It was for him to become what God wanted him to be. It was also so he could help and instruct others. It's why I made such a point at the beginning that if you're going to teach others, if you're going to be responsible for teaching others, and we all are to a certain degree, 
Some have more responsibilities than others for teaching, but every Christian is a teacher. Remember what the Great Commission says. If you're going to be responsible for this, whatever you do teach others will most likely be an overflow of what you've already learned. It'll be an overflow of what you're learning. And so he was to become the person God intended for him to be, and then he was to instruct others and do it in the way that God commanded here. Both parties then, those he was teaching, those he was coming alongside, would be built up in the faith. They'd be given a solid foundation. They'd be provided with eternal value. And they'd be made capable, as he was, of living in victory and living for the glory of God. That means being able to show others the communicable attributes that God has. How do you use your study to help reach others? Well, let it be an overflow. Remind yourself and you'll be able to remind others. Get built up in the doctrines of the faith. And then when questions come up about the doctrines of the faith, whether somebody is teaching falsely or whether they just have a question. It could be either one. You will have a grasp. You'll be well-versed in the doctrines of the faith. So you'll be able to have some input and some influence can be an, an eternal influence. It's not like the bodily exercise. It's not like the, um, the doctrines of devils that are just um, sort of an intellectual exercise that profit nothing. We can actually have influence with something eternal that comes directly from God. That's so needed. So needed. And you can't do it everywhere. You can do it in the place where God has placed you to be able to do it. Study and ministry. How can I use my study to reach others? You can. Please do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. Thank you for the gifting and the equipping that you give all of us. It's going to be different than Timothy's gift and his equipping, than Paul's gift and his equipping. But nevertheless, we all have a, a mission, and there's specific things that you've given us to do because of who we are, because of the experiences you've given us, because of the families you've given us, because of the... Uh, positions you've put us in. Uh, whatever sphere of influence we're in, help us to use our personal study. Let it overflow towards them and let it be something that can help them, strengthen them, build them up, and give them something that will help them to also reach others. Help us to do that today, even, uh, just in the final few hours of the evening. And certainly tomorrow and as we go into our week, in Jesus' name, amen.